invite you to join me in turning in your pew Bibles to page 853. 853, where we find there Psalm 16. Before we read, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word. Pray, Lord, that you would enlighten us by your spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would make um, my meditations and um, the way you speak uh, your word through me, Lord, a blessing to your people and to myself. May it be an encouragement. May it be grace and mercy to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 16. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. A victim of David. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. As for the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Charles Wesley, um, I looked up a little thing about him, and uh, one of the things I learned was that he was one of 17 children. I texted my wife that, and she said, no thanks. <laughs> but it made me think, uh, you know, when we tell people that we're having six kids today, they're like, wow. But then, like, back in my great-grandparents' day, they'd be like, they'd be like you're just starting? That great hymn writer, Charles Wesley, he wrote a hymn largely based on Psalm 16 entitled, um, Forth in Thy Name, O Lord, I Go. And uh, in this uh, hymn, he, he says this. There's five stanzas. Forth in your name, O Lord, I go, my daily labor to pursue. You only, Lord, resolve to know in all I think or speak or do. The task your wisdom has assigned, here let me cheerfully fulfill in all my work, your presence find and prove your good and perfect will. You may I set at my right hand, whose eyes my inmost secrets view, and labor on at your command and offer all my work to you. Help me to bear your easy yoke in every movement, watch and pray, and still to things eternal look and hasten to that glorious day. Then with delight may I employ all that your bounteous grace has given, and run my earthly course with joy and closely walk with you in heaven. The song that Wesley wrote, having reflected on Psalm 16, challenges us to consider 
what idols might be keeping us from being fully devoted to the Lord. And this really is what Psalm 16 is calling us to do as well. Um, what Psalm 16 is doing is a confident psalm. It's an expression, a declaration to God of trust in Him. And, and because it is that kind of psalm, a confident psalm, I trust in you, Lord, my trust is in you, Lord, basically what the psalmist is saying is, I cast away all things in this world that could garner my trust or things that I put my trust in, idols, and I cast it all away and uh, I cling to you alone, Lord, because you're the greatest thing in this world and in the world to come. Um, so our theme this morning is casting your lot with the Lord. Uh, kind of a double meaning. Casting your lot means uh, you're deciding to, uh, to, to be in the Lord's group, gang, you know. But also, um, casting your lot with the Lord um, has a meaning from Psalm 16 because um, in Psalm 16, uh, it tells us, or David tells us, um, that uh, you, God has made my lot secure. So, um, I think this morning, cast in your lot with the Lord. The first point that we have this morning is take refuge in the only good thing, verses 1 through 4. Um, the second point is make the Lord your inheritance, verses 5 and 6. And the third point is remember the Lord is faithful forever, verses 7 through 11. So let's look at that first point, take refuge in the only good thing. David in Psalm 16 begins by uh, praying to the Lord, Lord, keep me safe. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. And so David is doing something that we all do on a regular basis. He's expressing that this world is a dangerous place. This world is a place filled with threats, not only to our uh, physical lives, but to our spiritual lives. And, uh, and so David is saying, Lord, I'm taking refuge in you, so I'm asking, Lord, um, that you would keep me safe. You would keep me safe, O God. Keep me safe. For in you, I take refuge. He's saying, I, I, I'm coming to you and I'm declaring to you, I'm not taking refuge in any other things. I'm not taking refuge. I'm declaring to you that I, I wish not to take refuge in any other gods, little g. I take refuge in any other idols, any other thing that would tell me, um, no, I'll keep you safe. I will protect you. I'll make you firm. I'll make you secure. But God, I'm saying, in you, I take refuge Therefore, I'm asking, keep me safe. He goes on. The reason, he said, I said to the Lord, that is, Yahweh, whenever you see in the Bible, uh, Lord in, in small caps, that's the, 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 the covenant name, Yahweh. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, Adonai. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Yeah, this, is, um, this is King David. This is King David who has been blessed by the Lord to unite all the people of Israel under one banner. This is King David whom God has blessed uh, financially and God has blessed greatly with an abundance of, uh, of, of many things. This is King David who has an undefeated army. This is King David who has uh, multiple wives. This is King David who has all these things and he is declaring... You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. 
Apart from you, I have no good thing. Now, I think that's important because whether you believe it or not, many of us are, because we're blessed and because we live in the Western world and because we live in America, are more like King David than we are often allowed to think or even ponder. We have an abundance of, of blessing, material blessing. We are uh, so abundantly blessed. Um, unlike so many other people in this world, we never worry where our next meal is coming from or whether we're going to eat again. We never worry whether we'll find some shelter somewhere tonight out of the, uh, the weather, the rain, the cold. We never worry about the winter approaching and summer ending because we need to find some shoes that might keep our feet warm. These are things we, many of us, don't even ponder, don't even think about. And, and there's so many warnings in the Bible about um, forgetting God. In fact, one of the lessons that the God was teaching to the people of Israel in the wilderness was when you were following me around, when I, as a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, I was your Google Maps. You didn't think about where you were going because you followed where the cloud went. You followed where I took you. When, when I gave you manna that you would harvest in the morning and, and, and you would have enough for that day, you would eat that manna for that day. When I provided for you water out of the rock, when I helped you in all this time and kept you and provided for you, what I was teaching you was this. I'm the only good thing you have. But be warned. When you enter into the promised land and you overcome the people that are in the promised land and you take over cities that you did not build and houses that you did not build, that you come in and you take over vineyards that you did not plant and you enjoy the milk and honey of the promised land that you forget where this all comes from, that you forget that these all are meant to point you to the one who is your only good thing in this life. And when I read that, when I think about that, I often think, how much have we, as a people who are so abundantly blessed, forgotten that apart from God, we have no good thing? That maybe even David here in this psalm is saying this because he needs to remind himself that, Lord, even now that you have blessed me with all these things in this great abundance, I need to remember that you, apart from you, I have no good thing. Take refuge in the only good thing. David continues, he says, As for the saints who are in the land... They're the glorious one in whom is all my delight. This is a very difficult um, part of this psalm to translate. And if you look down at the bottom in your NIV, you'll see that there's a number of um, possibilities or examples that the, uh, the textual note gives down there at B. It says, or it could say, as for the pagan priests who are in the land, 
Or it could say, and the nobles in whom all delight, I said. So, um, but what I think that uh, verses 3 and 4 are saying is, David, David desires to be in the presence of others who find God to be their greatest joy as well. David desires fellowship with others who find the God they have decided is their only good thing. Now, um, I don't know about you, but typically I like to spend time with people who, who, who like the things I like as well. And if my greatest joy and passion in this world is God then yeah, I don't really want to spend a bunch of time with people who don't share that greatest passion and joy. I'm not saying we aren't supposed to rub shoulders with people, share the gospel with them, be around people who aren't believers. Um, That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's natural. It's natural for us to want to be around people who find God as glorious and as majestic and as wonderful and as beautiful and as good as we find them to be. And there's a contrast to this, isn't there? In verse 4, David says, The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. And, and David says, so, so I cast my lot in with the people who find the true God to be their greatest joy and pleasure in this world who have declared themselves that they have no good thing besides God. And, and he says, in contrast to that, there are those who follow after other gods. And he's saying, those who follow after the true God, their joys will always increase. Those who follow after false God, their sorrows will increase. And David says, I will not pour out sacrifices to these gods, these libations of blood, right? In fact, I'm going to take it even a step further. I will not even take up their names, these false gods' names, on my lips. I am taking refuge in the Lord. I'm taking refuge in the only good thing in this world. And that's God. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. What about the second point? Make the Lord your inheritance. So David continues in Psalm 16. He says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion, my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Um, now, if you're reading this, you probably understand that a lot of this language is taken from um, the covenantal language and inheritance language um, that God gave to the people of God when they entered into the promised land and they took the promised land. The promise that was given to Abraham, um, the promise that was, uh, the, the, the thing that was told to the Levites, um, the Levites Uh, The Levitical priesthood, when they entered into the land, they did not receive a lot. They did not receive a a portion of the land because God said, um, I am your inheritance.
the tribe of Levi did not get uh, a, a land, a portion of the promised land, because God wanted them to be a picture of what it meant to forsake all things in this world for God. God said, you're not getting a, a land portion because I want people to look at you and realize that um, I am your inheritance. Right? And so all the people of Israel were meant to look at the, at the, at the Levites, at the Levitical priesthood, at the Levites who were in the land, and, and not say, hey, you know, I th- we're Judah, and we got land, and Levi didn't. Or, hey, you know, we're, uh, we're Simeon, we got land, and, and, uh, and uh, oh, the Levi didn't. Hey, we're Reuben, and we got land, and, and Levi didn't. They're supposed to say, no, actually, the land that we have is not meant to be what we put our trust in. It's not meant to be the thing that we say, this is why we're safe now. This is why we're secure. We're supposed to look at the, the tribe of Levi and remind ourselves that ultimately what we have here, this little portion of land in, in modern day, the Middle East and Israel, it's not our inheritance. God is. God is, an, is our inheritance. And so David says, Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. I can just imagine David at the end of a long day of being a king and ruling a kingdom. Um, he goes into his feast hall. And there, all of his servants bring forward this amazing feast. And, and you know what's, um, um, you know what's crazy? Whenever I think about these scenes with just these tables full of food, I think of, um, <laughs> I think of the scene in the movie Hook, when all of the kids on the, you know, and Peter Pan's island are imagining this food, and then all the food appears. I don't know if you remember that movie, but that's always what I remember. Okay. Um, and, and, and I'm thinking of all this food and this great abundance and blessing. And this is what David, this is what David says. Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. I'm casting my lot in with you, Lord. All this stuff that is on this table before me, all this feasting that's going on right here. Lord, my portion, my cup, you are my portion. You. Lord, I, I, I desire to feast upon you more than I desire to have this beautiful food here in front of me. I desire to drink of you more than I desire to have this lovely goblet of wine. Lord, you are my portion. You are my cup. <coughs> and in verse 6, he says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. So that brings to mind, of course, what I, I was talking about earlier, this land inheritance, right? But the word in Hebrew here for pleasant places is actually the same word that is used in verse 11 when it says, uh, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There's no, there's no Hebrew word there for places. In fact, it says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasure. That's what it says. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasure. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What, um, what could David possibly be saying? He's alluding to the concept of land, but he's, he's thinking of it in terms 
of the Levitical priesthood, isn't he? He's saying, Lord, you have boundary lined me in. You have surrounded me, Lord. You have kept me in. And what you're showing me, Lord, what you're teaching me is that you are my inheritance. That what I'm supposed to gain pleasure from, what I'm meant to enjoy is you. It's you. Lord, I'm meant to enjoy you. You are my inheritance. This is why when Jesus walked this world, he said to his disciples, I have food that you do not know of. It's to do the will of my Father. This is why when Jesus walked this world, he said, I am the bread of heaven. This is why when Jesus walked the world, he said, if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. This is when Jesus walked the world amongst his disciples, he says, I come to give you life and life abundant. Because the Lord is your inheritance. And if you place your stock in anything else in this world, if you place your lot with anybody else, if you depend upon anybody else, you will find they do not come through. It will not come through. Make the Lord your inheritance. Cast in your lot with the Lord. The Lord is the one. The Lord is the one. One good thing. Apart from him, I have no good thing. I have a delightful inheritance in the Lord. I will not, it will not perish. It will not spoil. It will not fade, as Peter says. And lastly, the third point, remember the Lord is faithful forever. Um, David continues, he says, I'll praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. David is saying, the Lord teaches me. The Lord teaches me that he is the one I'm supposed to trust in. The Lord teaches me that he is the one whom I'm supposed to look to for my inheritance, for my lot. He is the one in whom there are pleasures forevermore. The Lord is teaching me this thing. I mean, isn't that a beautiful and wonderful thing? It, the Lord is not only the greatest thing that we can, can have in this world and in the next, but the Lord is constantly coming to us as people just like he does to David and saying, hey, you know that one thing that you're trusting in? You know that one thing that you're hoping will bring you relief, comfort, contentment? That's not me. I'm just coming to you at night to remind you I'm here. I'm your inheritance. I'm your lot. Cast it in with me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever sat down to go to sleep at night? And it's like your brain won't be quiet. That's the Lord sometimes. That's the Lord instructing us, teaching us. 
you go to him in prayer and you're just, Lord, what? What is on my mind? What is keeping me up? And he reveals to us the idols that we are clinging to. He reveals to us the ways in which we are not trusting in him. We are not casting our lot in with him. We are not seeing that he is the only good thing we have. And when we say, Lord, I don't want anything but you. Lord, I want to see you as the greatest joy and pleasure in this world. And I want to have more of you. And I want to get rid of and I want to stop holding on to these other things in this world that I'm seeking besides you. And instead of you and in place of you, these idols. And the Lord hears us. And Jesus Christ, his son, and the Lord loves us and shows his care for us. And it's like a peace washes over you. And that worry and that anxiety goes away. And you go right to sleep. David continues, he says, I have said the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Um, so, in verse 1, David says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. And, and in verse 8, it's almost as if he brings that full circle. He says, Because, Lord, you have answered my prayer, because you are at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. Because the Lord is with me. The Lord is keeping me safe. In verse 9, he continues, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Um, now, um, this portion of Psalm 16, verses 9 through 11, is actually quoted in the New Testament um, by Peter, uh, the day of Pentecost. as a uh, fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus. Um, particularly this statement about, um, you'll not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay, um, of the resurrection of Jesus. Um, Jesus is this Holy One that will not see decay. So in some way, David is functioning as a prophet here, and he is seeing into the future as through a glass dimly. He's remembering the words of the prophet Nathan to him. The prophet Nathan came to David and he said, David, listen, you're going to sleep in the grave. You're going to go to be with your ancestors. But one day God is going to place on the, your throne a descendant of yours and his kingdom will be forever. And David is saying, so someday in the future there's going to be a king that's not like other kings because it'll be the end of, of secession that this king will be a forever king. And so I don't really know what that means, but what I, I do know is that the Lord is going to bring a relative of mine to be seated on the throne, and this throne, this kingdom, will be a forever kingdom. And so David writes these words. He pens these words. He, he pens these words of confidence in God. Lord, you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And so Jesus comes... He's a descendant of David. He lives, he dies, he's resurrected three days later, and he 
He is the Holy One that does not see decay. He is the one who then is raised to be seated at the right hand of God, the Father. On the eternal kingdom of David, the eternal kingdom, that is the kingdom of the new heavens and the new earth that is to come. And, and, and Jesus is that descendant of David who's seated at the right hand of God on a forever throne. And it is because of the perfect work of Jesus that David is going to be there on that resurrection day. That we're all going to be there on that resurrection day. That we can declare, Lord, you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not abandon me to the grave. You know, my body might see decay. Uh, it, when, when, when the Lord comes again, it may be nothing but dust. But the Lord, you will take that. And you will make it a glorious resurrection body. And so there is, um, there is one reason. There's one reason why David in this psalm is saying that there are so many options of things that we could cast our lot in with. Or people that we could put our trust in. Or, uh, or things in this world that we could say, this will bring me pleasure. This will bring me fulfillment. This will bring me contentment. There are so many idols in this world which we could do that too. And why should we forsake all those things? And trust in the Lord. See that He is the only good thing that we possess. Say, Lord, You are my portion. You are my cup. Say to Him, You are my inheritance. Because the Lord is the only thing that we can never get enough of and we can have forever. You see, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about with this psalm this week as I was pondering and as I was learning and I was trying to wrestle with it and grapple with it was oftentimes we talk about the gospel as if the thing that people should desire that they would believe in Jesus Christ is that they get to have eternal life, right? Hey, hey, you should repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. You know why? Because then you get to live forever, right? That's kind of how we sell it sometimes, right? That, that, the, that the, uh, the reward that you get for believing in Jesus, for believing in, in, in Jesus and repenting of your sin is that you get to live forever, right? But actually, that can be dangerous the way that we sell that as the, the selling point. Because the only reason living forever is good is because it grants us the opportunity to enjoy God forever. You understand that, right? That God gives us the gift of eternal life so that we can experience Him throughout all time and space. 
That's the reason why we get to live forever, so that we can enjoy him, so that we can see that he is our inheritance, he is our portion, our cup, so that we can finally know and experience to its fullest extent that there is nothing good but him. On and on and on and on and on and on forever. And so when David here at the end of Psalm 16 says... Lord, you will not abandon me to the grave. You will not let your Holy One see decay. The reason why David is praising God for this is because David doesn't want his enjoyment of God to end. He doesn't want his pleasuring in the Lord to cease. And oh, how great the grace of God is that he rewards us saints with forever life so that he can be our greatest joy and pleasure throughout that forever. Remember, the Lord is faithful forever. And part of the reason why we can know and trust that the Lord is faithful forever is because he's shown his forever faithfulness in Jesus Christ. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have that great and wonderful promise that just as his human body is in heaven now, so will ours be. And the great and wonderful promise of that is that we get to enjoy God forever. Why is it that we should cast in our lot with the Lord? It's because all things that we might seek to replace the Lord with in this life are temporary and only end in destruction, only end in sorrows. But the Lord, the Lord, we can never get enough of Him and we can enjoy Him forever. So forsake all those things in this world, those idols, those false hopes, those broken cisterns. Cast in your lot with the Lord. And stay with Charles Wesley. Help me to bear your easy yoke in every moment watch and pray and still to things eternal look and hasten to that glorious day. Then with delight may I employ all that your bounteous grace has given and run my earthly course with joy and closely walk with you in heaven. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. We pray, Lord, that we would look to you for refuge, that we would say to you, apart from you, we have no good thing. That we would enjoy the presence and the company and fellowship of your saints. Uh, that we would forsake uh, the worship of other gods and idols. That we would not pour out sacrifices to them or even take their names upon our lips. Lord, we pray that we would see in you our portion and our cup. We pray that we would know that you've made our lot secure. That you are our inheritance. We pray, Lord, that we would hear your counsel to us that you are teaching us. We would set you always before us 
that we would know because you are with us, we will not be shaken. We will stand. Um, we pray, Lord, that our hearts will be glad and our tongues rejoice. Our bodies would rest secure because you will not abandon us to the grave. Because you have placed Jesus Christ on your right hand. You've made known to us the path of life. You've filled, with, with, filled us with joy in your presence. Lord, eternal pleasures are at your right hand. May we, may we know that the greatest joy and pleasure that awaits the life we have to come is to enjoy you and to find pleasure in you throughout all eternity. We pray that we would cast our lot in with you, Lord. You are the only one we can never get enough of. You're the only one we can enjoy forever. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.